Welcome to My Crazy Office Podcast with the authors of Working With You Is Killing Me, Working For You Isn't Working For Me, and Mean Girls At Work. Kathy Elster and Katherine Crowley. They are committed to creating world peace, one crazy office at a time. And now, here are Kathy and Katherine. Hey everyone, I'm Kathy Elster. And I'm Katherine Crowley, and welcome to My Crazy Office. Today, we're going to address a question that many people ask themselves, why can't I find a good boss? Oh, yeah. We'll start with a question from someone who likes working for a certain company, but keeps being assigned to bad bosses. We'll examine why it's difficult to find skilled bosses and what it means to manage up and how to make working for a bad boss better. I like that. Yeah. You know, finding a good boss can often feel like searching for a needle in a haystack. I hope more people will send questions like this to info at mycrazyoffice.co. Yeah. I mean, anything about the bosses, everybody, you know, everybody relates. Everybody's got, you know, a boss story. I I don't actually think I ever had a good boss. (laughs) And that's how I learned what I learned. Um, All right. Here's our question for this week. I work for a company I like, but I can't seem to find a good boss. My first boss was a micromanager who second guessed everything I did. Then I got transferred to a different department. That boss was never around and gave me no guidance whatsoever. Mm. Now I'm working for someone who dumps all their work on me. What am I doing wrong? Well, (laughs) yeah, it's a good question. I mean, and why are all of these bosses so incompetent that they're not really getting the training they need? And we do know that management training is there isn't any, basically. There just, <laughs> just really isn't any management training. You know, we had a client tell us recently that he took a management class at Yale and it was all finances. Right, that's it right. Was he was hoping. In the class, they kept going back. Like, what, did I take the wrong class? Was this management? Anyway, right. it, they just weren't teaching it. So, um, you know, that's why our books, I think, are so popular. But there's a lot of reasons why, Uh, you know, managers don't get training. As we know, they don't get training. They get promoted because they do their job well. Yes. And the assumption is, oh, well, they know how to do the job. Therefore, they can educate others. They can teach them how to do the job. Right. But not everybody is good at training. In fact, not everyone wants to manage, right? A lot of managers are find themselves in a situation that they really don't like. Yeah. I would say most people would love to get out of management. (laughs) And then there are some people that take to it really well. And if you get one of those, it's a, it's a great life. Yes. But there's many things that you can do as, you know, so we'll just take the first one. Uh, um, You know, she said the first one was a micromanager. That is the number one complaint. I mean, if you if you interviewed across the country, across the world, what's your least favorite boss? Micromanager would come up. So that's the person who they become sort of this bottleneck. You know, everything you do has to go through them. They have to approve everything. Yes. And just when you think you know what they want, they change what they want. And so everything has to go through them. They have they really are very insecure. They don't trust themselves so what you have to do with them is they've got to learn to trust you that you can do it their way or at least the way they want and then eventually they will trust you but that doesn't always work 
Right. So what what you're saying is true that the version of I guess we're talking about managing up with a micromanager, yes. right? So the version of managing up when you're working with someone like this is that you actually first try to learn what their way is, right, Kathy? Right. Right. That they've because most micromanagers have in their mind the exact right way to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so your job is to actually model their method. So you probably have to ask a lot of questions about exactly how they want you to do X, Y, or Z, even if it's the simplest thing in the world, so that you can show them yeah. that you'll do it their way. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it can, it can work. It can backfire, it, it, but it's the only thing you really can do in managing a micromanager is yeah. trying to learn their way. Right. Um, and discuss it with them. I think micromanagers never intentionally want to be a micromanager. They really don't. And I've had many micromanagers call me and say, help, I, how can I stop being a micromanager? You know, that's great when they want to go into micromanager rehab, but <laughs> a lot of them don't, you know, um, or they don't even know, they're not even aware that that's what they're doing. And that's the problem. Maybe somebody did that to them. They think it's the way you manage. But it is the most difficult. So we don't really yeah. have a panacea here, except that you have to get them to trust you if you can. Yes. Well, you have to be hard. patient, at least initially, to find yeah. out their way of doing everything and also to reassure them. Because what you were saying, Kathy, is so true. It's the basic insecurity. They don't trust others. They don't trust themselves. They're terrified of making mistakes themselves. Yeah. So they don't want you to do anything that could possibly be wrong, a wrong move. Yeah. They're maddening. I just have to say that they are really maddening. They're hard to work for. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been a micromanager earlier in my career. I mean, I think a lot of people learn from it. Um, so the second kind of boss, she said she had, or he, I'm not sure who it is, but um was they... never around right now that's a whole other problem in itself because how do you, you know it, it's the complete opposite of the micromanager so maybe you feel a little relief at the beginning whoa i can breathe yeah but then there's so much room to breathe right you don't know if you're doing the right thing or not so you have to have some sort of management so you want a partner in making sure you're you're doing the right thing and you're growing and you're learning you want to learn from somebody yeah. so this is where um i think our managing up com comes in right oh yeah Oh, where yeah. you want to make sure that you have a regular meeting with this person. Okay, maybe they're not around most of the time, but you want to have at least a half an hour meeting with this person at least once a week. Yeah. And you want to make sure that that happens. If they cancel, reschedule it. Right. It's important. And you come with an agenda, right? You have to really important. all the structure and all the content for this person. Right. You have to do everything. Right. Because they're basically what we would call absentee. They're there, yeah. but not there. Yeah, maybe they're getting a divorce or having a baby. I mean, who knows what is going on, but yeah, they don't, they're not doing their job. And that happens a lot. So, um, you know, you have to make sure that you have FaceTime with this person. And I don't mean as they're running by you or, you know, when they're getting in an elevator or jumping in their car, I mean, actually like a half an hour of their time. And it can be on Zoom, it can be in person, but you need to 
and you need to come with this agenda because you want everything written down, which is right. what it is you want. You want answers about certain things. You want decisions made. What are they? And put them in order of priority so that you will, you can at least get to the things that are important if they right. cut your time off. And they probably will. Yes. And I just want to say I'm working with someone right now who has an absentee boss. And um, she is very reluctant to set up these meetings because she's waiting for the boss to manage her. And so right. that goes back to your original point, Kathy, that so many bosses don't know how to manage. And if you wait for them to manage you, it's never going to happen. So, right. I mean, that's like, you know, you're waiting for a miracle. That's not, no, you have to manage them. And the more effective you are at managing your manager, the, the better off it's going to be for you. Right. They're not going to mind this. No. Actually, I love getting progress reports from you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bosses love when people, you know, take control and manage up. Yeah. Um, so also, so here's a couple of other tips that are really important is that you want to keep a pulse on your boss's changing priority, maybe why they're micromanaging or why they're absent or why they're dumping their work on you is because things keep changing for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't really know what's being dumped on them. Yeah. So you want to keep a pulse of, okay, I, we were working on this, but now it looks like this is more important. So let me see if I can help out. Right. And many employees are reluctant to say, what's the priority for today? Because it feels like they're going to give me more work. Yeah. But the chances are they're going to give you the correct work. <laughs> so it's okay to ask that and they yeah. will really be happy you did. So that's just another way of managing, you know, your boss. Yeah. Um, you want to take away some others or should I keep going? Uh, no, go. you got some more, go ahead. Yeah, I've got two more. So always anticipate problems and offer solutions because there's nothing worse than a manager who's not very good, who gets nothing but complaints. So, you know, you know what the predictable problems are. You mm -hmm. know, the mail's going to be late. You know, pick up won't show up like you know certain things are going to happen and hopefully your department has some solutions for that but whatever you anticipate is not going to work offer a solution rather than letting it fall rather yeah. than letting it be a problem and offering solutions will go very far between you and your manager so remember that don't come with problems come with solutions mm -hmm. um also always be prepared to give a status of where all your projects are at any given time. So always be aware, look at everything, know what's going on. Because it's not that they're asking you for a status report because they want to catch you. They're asking you for a status report because somebody is asking them. Right. Like they're responsible to somebody else. So a lot of the things that we're asking you to do when managing your manager <clears throat> help a whole you know, a whole host of issues that managers bring to the table, but they also were just good business practices. Absolutely. And what I was going to say is just starting from the internal place is that the first thing you have to do is forgive your boss for being yeah. bad manager. And then you want to take charge. Like this is where you have true agency. If you follow the principles Kathy's describing, if you meet with your boss, if you have an agenda, if you anticipate problems and offer solutions, if you understand what their priorities are, if you keep on checking in like that, then the relationship, no matter how difficult it is, will be better 
than it is if you wait passively for them to do something. And people, you know, there's this term quiet quitting that everyone's talking about now. I think that that could happen unnecessarily if you have a boss that you find difficult. And it's not worth doing that until you try different forms of managing up. And one more thing, just to plug our book, Working With You Is Killing Me, has a whole chapter on this very issue, right? Right. And it's called Managing Up. And I think there's probably lots of articles about managing up. You know, there's a lot out there you can get. But, you know, instead of waiting for your boss to be the perfect boss and manage you, you can manage your situation probably a lot better than you are. Um, And I think our second book, Working For You Isn't Working For Me, also has lots of different boss scenarios. A lot. Because what's a problem for you may not be a problem for someone else. So it's good to identify, you know, what the problem bosses are for you. So let me just address the third one um, where she says they dump all their work on me. Um, yeah, that that absolutely can happen where um, a boss is overwhelmed yeah. and they maybe have other priorities and they're running around. So that's where the uh, managing up really comes in, getting from them a list of, well, what is the highest priority here? I, I can handle this work, but I just need to know what is the first thing, what's the second, what's the third. Mm-hmm. And understanding what where is the changing priorities here? Let me know if this is no longer needed in a day or two. Like just getting a pulse from them, working with them to understand what this work is really, you know, what the validity of the work is. Cause you don't just let somebody dump work on you, understand where it falls into the picture, what needs to get done when. Yeah, and I think the other piece of that is understanding what your limitations are. Again, instead of stewing in resentment or overworking, getting to a place, like you said, Kathy, finding, can you tell me what the priorities are? And this is what I can tell you that I can probably deliver by X period of time, right? So that you're able to um, under promise and over deliver even in those circumstances, but also possibly if you can get help, if you can delegate certain of those tasks, uh, because the timeline is, or the time crunch is not so intense, then that takes some of the pressure off of you. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're actually asking a lot of you listeners. Um, so you may want to listen to this a couple of times, but you know, don't just don't assume that your boss is. I mean, they're bad. I get it; they are bad. But there there usually is something you can do if you're willing to, you know, work a little harder to earn this person's respect and yeah. get them to work better with you. Sometimes. Yeah. You have to- work. Sometimes you have to leave that boss, but it's really worth trying by managing up. Yes. And I think the thing of what am I doing wrong is that you're not necessarily doing something wrong, except that you may want to approach it from this angle rather than I'm attracting bad bosses. I want to say there's another boss that um, several of my clients are dealing with right now, which is the sort of ADD boss. Oh no. (laughs) So that's the person who most recently, one of my clients said, you know, the, that her boss said, um, I'm just an ideas person, you know, yeah. like <laughs> I don't write anything down. And again, this is another example of probably one of your first jobs in a job is to figure out how your boss does or does not manage what their strengths and yeah. weaknesses are and then help them. So for example, with the ADD boss, you need to corral that person. You need to organize the information for them. You need to create the deadlines and the timelines. 
because they don't have the executive function to do that. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that other possibility out there because I think it happens often. Very brilliant people have this attention issue. And so you can become very resentful because they're always bouncing all over the place and you don't know where to put your efforts. Yeah, that's tough. It's a managing up challenge. Yeah, all of this is. So that's it for this podcast. Um, If you have any further comments or thoughts on this topic, please tweet us at AskKChu and follow us on Instagram at MyCrazyOffice. Yes, and if you'd like to receive our podcast email, text us at 228-28 and type in my crazy office, all one word. Finally, don't forget to send your questions and stories to info at mycrazyoffice.co. My Crazy Office is produced in New York City at K-Squared Studios. Stay crazy.